today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. This is an ongoing subject that we've tried to bring up as many times as possible because we're all concerned about our children's future and our children's health and our children's mental health. And expert after expert that we've talked to and that have been on national television and and so many other programs have said, look, this pandemic is really, really causing problems with youth. And it's not just the physical problem. It's the mental health problems that are going on. Uh, listeners to our program would remember that a week or so ago, we had a conversation with Dr. Sean Watley, uh, who is up in the Ottawa area. And he was talking about mental health impact on our children due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And he says that CHEO, that's the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario, has never seen the kind of need right now among youth. CHEO is saying, hey, we need help, guys. We're overflowing. We've never seen this much mental health problems in the young people, the, young, the youth population in the last 30 years. And so uh, the data is out there, and, and I think people are starting to talk about the, the unintended consequences of, or the misery, shall we say, due to our response. But to your point, we need to be talking about it more, I think. Well, we do. And thank you, doctor. And we are going to talk about it more because there is yet another study which underscores the need for, uh, I think, immediate action in this situation. Uh, joining us to talk about this is uh, Lisa Wolf. Lisa is the Director of Policy and Research at UNICEF Canada. Uh, Lisa, thank you so much for the time. Glad you could be with us today. Hello, Bill. Thanks for the opportunity to join you. Well, let's talk about this. And, 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 you know, I want to be relentless about this because I'm concerned about the long-term impacts that this is having, and I know you are as well. Uh, and when I see uh, people like Dr. Watley that we had on just a little while ago, uh, uh, other uh, the director of the Pediatric Chairs of Canada, and so many other people that have talked about this, uh, and I'm not so sure that I can make a, a case at this stage, Lisa, that some of the government policies that have been enacted, not just here in Ontario but in other provinces as well, don't seem to take into consideration the impact it's having on children's mental health. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the concerns that the, um, you know, the doctors are raising in, in the children's hospitals with record numbers of children visiting the hospital with mental health concerns, many who, you know, never visited before the pandemic is, you know, is what we're hearing also from parents. And um, UNICEF Canada and our partners just uh, completed a, a survey of parents to ask them what they're seeing, because, of course, not, not all kids struggling will make it to the hospital. And, um, you know, what we found was that two-thirds of parents said the pandemic has worsened the mental health challenges of at least one of their children. And as many as half said it's introduced new mental health challenges for kids that didn't have issues before the pandemic. Well, and let's talk about that. I mean, you know, these are numbers, but, look, you know, I, we've tried to put faces yeah. on this and try to explain yeah. as we've talked to parents about the impact that this is having. Uh, and I'm not so sure that, that everybody even has a full comprehension of the impact of mental health issues on children. Oftentimes children uh, are, may not be able to articulate what's going on. Uh, they may not be able to express their feelings uh, to the point where people are just going to say, well, they, you know, they're just being cranky or hey, they're tired of being in the house. And, and there may be an element to that involved, but uh, there's some long-term uh, concerns about this too, isn't there? There are all of those things, Bill, and you know I think these numbers um, these numbers are different than the numbers we start we were hearing at the start of the pandemic. And what we're seeing really is you know for those of us who thought that adjusting to this long pandemic is getting easier for kids, you know what we're finding is it's not. It's getting harder. Um, there were surveys at the start of the pandemic with. Um, Canadian parents, um, with, you know, we've heard from medical experts, um, even from young people, because UNICEF Canada works with, with young people directly, that, that, you know, really from the start of lockdowns, 
um, children were experiencing a dip in mental health. I think the sheer number of kids that parents are worried about now is larger. And, of course, what we're seeing is the pandemic and the restrictions in particular have heaped adversity onto kids and families in virtually every aspect of their lives. Um, sometimes on top of poverty and discrimination that were al already a burden before the pandemic, we've disrupted every part of the ecosystem around kids. And, and so the longer and more disruptive the pandemic is, the more the impacts are piling up, whether it's mental health or learning loss or all sorts of other, um, other things. Well, and I think you just touched on a very important part of this, too. Uh, we, we can talk about this in the broad-based uh, idea of, okay, children's mental health, but socioeconomic uh, conditions among those families uh, has an impact on this, too. And, and we, all, we know that it's a sliding scale. Those that are living in challenged neighborhoods, those that have challenging uh, family backgrounds and family concerns uh, or economic concerns tend to be impacted a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, you know, in our survey, and frankly, over months of consultation um, with youth and parents and, and people leading services for kids across this country, um, you know, what, what we're hearing from parents, uh, I'm going to start with a survey, what we heard just recently, because we checked in, you know, a week ago with our poll, is that only a quarter of parents uh, said that they're receiving enough support from different levels of government, but they also had three clear priorities for what we can do now on the road to recovery. Um, and one of them, and the first priority that they had, eight out of ten parents prioritized adequate resources for child and youth mental health supports. So that won't surprise you, Bill, because, you know, we're aware that um, mental health is really, is really dipping. But almost as many... 71% of parents said they, they just want youth programs, community programs back open again. So many of these natural supports for mental health, and we hear from kids that these programs, you know, just getting to um, school extracurriculars or, you know, YMCA programs in the community are a natural way they manage their mental health and build relationships and connect with culture and community and sometimes get nourishment, you know, meals and, and, and things like that, that that help alleviate conditions of poverty. They just want those things open again. And summer is now a time where, you know, at least we can really get a start on those and, and continue that through the fall. And then finally, 70% um, of parents say they need income support. And there is a real risk that child poverty uh, is going to rise again. It never went away for some. But, you know, the overall rate in Canada dipped a little bit in the last few years. It, there's a real risk that it's going to rise again. So, you know, that should not be off the table, looking at how we can keep building federal and provincial um, income benefits to support families with children now. Well, there's some easy solutions here, too, and I know the survey, I think, shines the light on some of these things, and, and they need to be discussed, Lisa, and I know some politicians are a little reticent to do this, but that's because they've made some policy decisions that seem to run contradictory to this. One of them, of course, is to, you know, how do adults try to deal with mental stress or stress in general? You try to find a release. Well, for kids, oftentimes, that's going outside. 
It's 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 you know it's yeah. playing ball. It's playing soccer. It's doing. We, they're not allowed to in Ontario right now. And I mean that's that's adding to this problem. And the one let's talk about the elephant in the room going back to school. And the premier's already said that's not going to happen at least until September. Uh, we all know that that's a, a social environment for those children, and it's a great place for them to be instead of being in the house all the time. And you've touched on I think another very important part that I still don't hear any politician talking about. Uh, some of those kids rely and going to school to get fed uh, that may be the only proper meal they get in the daytime uh, you know when they go to a school environment that's been taken away from them right now too so uh, yeah I, I understand we all need to be cognizant of, of you know the delta variant and the concern and the impact that it might have and, and that's a real problem and a real danger we know that but are we causing more damage by doing what we're doing here with some of these policies Yes, we are. I mean, every jurisdiction is a little bit different, but, you know, UNICEF is a global organization, and what we've been seeing globally is that there's very little connection between, um, you know, schools being open and community transmission rates. You know, lots of, lots of places have managed to keep schools open, and that's true inside Canada as well. You know, note Quebec and B.C., um, you know, Quebec was struggling with, with a very large community transmission rate, but made the choice to keep kids at the top of the priorities in the schools open. And, you know, they managed to reduce rates while, while doing that. And, um, yeah, schools are just, uh, you know, it's so important for kids' physical protection, as you say, you know, sometimes nourishment. I mean, not every school offers um, no. A healthy meal. Um, we're the only G7 country that doesn't uh, have a national school meal program, but they get so much, uh, you know, mental and physical support, as well as, of course, learning and socialization, going to school, and and schools should be the, you know, the last to close and the first to open. And, and now we exactly. have to look at, at least in Ontario, what are we going to do to make sure they're, you know, ready for kids in the fall? Lisa, what about having a discussion about some of these things that, uh, as, as with so many other elements, what the COVID virus has done and the pandemic has done and the lockdowns have done is, yes, they've created some problems, but they've also shone the light and exacerbated some existing problems. And you mentioned about the school lunch program, of course. Uh, G7 leaders are all heading over to England. This is in small C conservative the UK okay uh, with Boris Johnson and David Cameron the prime minister before that and uh, but even those conservative you know let's save money austerity driven governments they don't touch the social programs over there they don't dare do that including lunch programs including public health programs because they are sacrosanct even among small C conservative voters I mean we really have to have an honest discussion in this country about what's important to our kids and and the cost of it and the the cost of not doing it yeah, I mean, Canada, Canada, you know, invests in health, it invests in public education, but when it comes to the, the so-called family-friendly policies, like childcare, um, even income benefits for families, despite, you know, recent progress, parental leave, school food, the things that actually really help families afford to give kids the best possible conditions from the, the, the start, which is so, you know, those critical early years, we are not provincially, territorially, federally investing to the level of our peer countries. And, uh, you know, we can do more. It's this, you know, myth of scarcity that we have, that, oh, the nation can't afford this. Um, we are the 15th wealthiest economy. Yes, we can, we can afford to do more to give give kids the best start and and now is the time i mean they really need to be at the top of our list now as as the health 
you know, the health crisis is starting to recede and we see the end of the, the tunnel there, um, we're going to be left with a children's crisis if they're not our priority moving forward. Well, and in this study here, Inspiring Healthy Futures, uh, they address that, and I, and I think it's a very poignant part of, of the, the report here, uh, is that even when the physical part of this goes away, even when we all get vaccinated or everybody who wants to get vaccinated, mm-hmm. we, we reach herd immunity, and I hope it happens sooner than later. The mental health aspect of this isn't going away. It's not going to happen anytime soon, and your survey here points out that a number of parents, a majority of parents, are concerned about the long-term impact this is going to have on their kids. I mean, even if they do finally get to go and kick a soccer ball around sometime this summer, or even if they go back to school in September, what's happening to them now it doesn't just ha- go away. You can't just say, okay, everybody's happy you know, and we all live happily ever after. There are going to be some impacts about this. Some people, it could be learning problems. Others, it's going to be some social problems uh, that they're going to have problems with right now. Are we equipped to be able to handle that? Yeah, and that's true. And, you know, back to our parents. Um, you know, I think on the positive note, one in four believes their their children will bounce back as the health crisis lightens, as kids can, can get back into programs and school and a um, you know, and socializing, but the majority are worried about the lasting impacts. And the fact is, you know, even when, when we ask um, experts across Canada, we, we really don't know um, for how long kids will carry this burden, how wide the inequalities will be stretched further, uh, you know, among them. But we know enough to act now instead of waiting and hoping for the best. You know, we know we have to um, prepare our schools to welcome back kids in an environment that's going to support their mental and physical health as well as learning recovery and make sure that th- those things are attended to together. You know, school was not an easy place for, for many kids before the pandemic. A lot of pressure. Um, bullying has been a, a problem. And, you know, those are things that we could we could do better to, um, you know, to make easier for kids those kinds of conditions back at school as, as we welcome them back we're going to need to because as you say they're going to they're going to come with some some challenges um so that's that's an immediate but um there are things we can do too that are recovery you know recovery policies but also will help you know generations to come get a good start in life like the uh, the federal commitment to join provinces and territories in building quality child care um, you know, we hope mothers will go back to work. People will be back at work very soon. Those who uh, lost their jobs and, and their kids will need childcare, And um, that's going to be a really important thing to do from the start as well. Well, I, I like the attitude. It's what we try to take here, too, is the glass is half full. I mean, the, there are some immense challenges because of COVID and because of the pandemic. We get that. And this, this study, of course, I think underscores a number of them. Uh, but this is also an opportunity to reassess what we've been doing, not just what we've been doing for the last 14 months, but what we've been doing right. previous to this, and say, okay, can we do this in a, in a much better fashion and in a more productive fashion? And I, I'm hoping that our elected leaders and certainly our community leaders, and, and I think UNICEF has a role to play there too as being a voice, uh, are at the table to say, okay, let's, let's reassess here going forward. Yeah, Bill, and you know, some things don't cost thing um you know just the the simple principle of putting the best interests of the child at the top uh, when you're making a political decision that's something that every government should do every table making a decision should ask how is this going to affect kids um and, and youth and families especially you know those struggling the most 
Well, and that that has to be part of this, and I'm just hoping that the the, the body of evidence that's being presented and has been done through the research of organizations like UNICEF and others are, are going to be part of that conversation because it's so very, very important. And I know parents are concerned about this. They're, they're concerned yeah. about what's going to be happening now. I mean, I, I see this all the time in my neighborhood. You know, we've still got some young kids that are hanging around here, and I know in the beginning of the pandemic it was great. Your parents had them out there on the driveway every day to make sure they got their fresh air and everything, but it, mm -hmm. it's getting a little stale. <laughs> And, and they're looking for other options and other ways uh, to, to try to, you know, get back into the swing of things. And and uh, I've been a strong advocate of, of sports and sport fields and organized sports and things of this nature, and I think that's got to be part of it. We're heading into a season right now uh, where we want to be outside more, and I think we have to give kids programs and things like that to do uh, so they can they can basically get back into the swing of things and, and relieve the stress that all of us have been feeling for the last year. Yeah, that's where parents and kids themselves uh, you know, have said they agree. That's one thing we can absolutely do now is make this summer a summer of play and socialization and leisure and ease kids into it. Some of them will be, you know, they've checked out a bit. They, they're nervous about connecting socially, um, but taking steps that they're ready for is, uh, is, you know, is the immediate business that we've got ahead of us. Is the uh, report on your uh, webpage? Yeah, Inspiring Healthy Good. Futures, again, is, you know, it's a roadmap for recovery that more than 1,500 Canadians of all ages and um, across the country and very different sectors working for kids contributed to. It's on inspiringhealthyfutures.ca, and I hope our, our listeners can check that out and see what they think, um, you know, and join, join the conversation. Absolutely, they have to. Lisa, great work on this. Uh, congratulations on that. Uh, thank you for the great work that you and your staff are doing, and thanks for spending some time with us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for the time, Bill. Take care. Lisa Wolf, who is the Director of Policy and Research at UNICEF Canada. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.